I was able to put the proper structure in my life that led to implementation, which is the order, that ultimately has created momentum, a rhythm that allowed me to multiply, go forth, and take dominion. The last step is always the commitment to taking time to rest and honor God by reflecting on everything that he has done and continues to do in my life. What is vision? Vision is not a goal. A goal is something you want to accomplish, while vision is someone you want to be. Before you can set up an atmosphere, which is day two, or spend time creating the structure, day three, we must spend time defining the vision of who you are or who you want to become. In order to get to the root of a person's want, we keep asking why. Too many people just start working and hope they become a millionaire, failing to think through their vision for the future. This was me early on. My family was deeply involved in the network marketing company Herbalife, so naturally, I got involved too. But I didn't have any idea what kind of lifestyle I wanted or what I wanted life to actually look like. Once your million is in the bank, do you have a vision for how you'd like life to look to ensure you talk to your spouse regularly or spend your mornings in the most productive way? I wish someone had asked me this sooner. What does it feel like to be the guy or gal you imagine as successful? Having vision forms our daily habits and the patterns we create from what we value. Before creation. The first thing God did was dispel darkness. Translation, on day one, God cast his vision. When God said, let there be light, light appeared as a thing separate from darkness. The phrase, let there be light, could be confusing to some, as if God was asking for light instead of declaring that it should happen. The phrase, let there be light, is a translation of the Hebrew phrase, yihai, or which is translated, fiat lux in Latin. A literal translation would be a command, something like light exist. God is speaking into the void and commanding light to come into being. Genesis 1 tells us that God created the heavens and the earth and everything else that exists by simply speaking them into existence. The idea of light existed first in God's mind and was given form by the words, let there be light or let life exist. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, we read that God is light. This means God began the creation process of the universe by extending himself, sending his energy out. Taken simply at face value, everything that exists is made of light, including water, and scientists confirm that the universe is still expanding at the speed of light. My point is, God had a massive, infinitely complex vision for what he wanted to create, and his words, based in his beliefs, spoke it to life. For our purposes, your vision for your business will be based in well-developed mental picture of the life you want to lead. Goals, Habits, and Mindsets Everything you eventually produce will be created from this vision, so you must determine what you want and how it should look. I started this book by pointing out our unhealthy relationship with money, because understanding the big problem is key to knowing what's needed to solve it. 
In Proverbs, we learn, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained, but happy is one who keeps the law. That's chapter 29, verse 18. What we need first is a bigger vision for our lives than simply making money. In network marketing, you have to go to your family and friends to get them to join. I did that, but my friends and family had all either drank the Kool-Aid that, and already were in, the, in it, or they hated it. And the company told us we simply needed to talk to more people and then ask if they wanted to join. But that didn't work for me. I knew I needed a way to get people to call me. I eventually came up with an idea, which I'll share more about later. But my whole mindset was around making money at that time. So it was not sustainable. Making money or even having a great business is a goal. Again, not a vision. But in order to obtain a proper vision for our life, we first need to look at our mindset. Who we are is largely based on the mindsets we've adopted. If you grew up witnessing that money was hard to come by, or that men are all pigs, or that religion is destructive or boring, that will be your mindset. Maybe you learned that rich people are bad or poor people are lazy. If you know how someone grew up, often it's no wonder why they believe what they do. Once we understand this, life can be a struggle to unlearn many wrong beliefs. Your vision is not a goal, but more of a mindset established by a series of habits of healthy thoughts and intentional actions you develop. Goals can help you get to where you're going, but goals are not the same as having a clear vision of what you want. Goals are great stepping stones for working out your vision and developing the habits that are essential to keep you on track. Because our mindsets are largely unsolicited gifts from our parents, teachers, and society, each of us is the product of other people's habitual ways of thinking, just as they were and those often before them. But when we uncritically accept these values, beliefs, and habits, they will have a strong control over our lives. When considering our mindset, it's important to understand that we create them. Therefore, we can change them or build new ones. Studies actually prove that we can build new neural pathways. Think of your mindset like a jungle. Imagine you're standing in the middle of it and you notice a path that has been forged. You realize that over time, that path was created because of all the times people walked it. As you look over to the left and you notice what seems to be a path less traveled, few people have ever taken it. It's full of brush and can be hard to follow initially. But the more you take it, the easier it will become to find and follow. Our mindsets are made the same way. An entrepreneur is one who endeavors to take a different path who starts cutting a new trail for others and your family to follow. For most people who take this path, it's a chance to have the legacy they believe they were designed for. Of course, changing your mindset doesn't happen in a day. It takes time to build new habits. In order to destroy old habits, thought patterns and mindsets, or to dispel the darkness, you have to keep pouring light in. New habits create new neural pathways, so it's important to note that this doesn't happen overnight. It happens over time. It's a process. We have to consider several key areas that indicate what we need, primarily surrounding yourself with the right people, getting the right input, and learning to hear what your language says, both internally and externally. Slowly, as you do these things, your mindset will begin to change. 
we'll look more closely at who we choose in day two, designing your atmosphere. But for now, consider just how important what you think is in what you believe in the actions you take. This is why we must start with our mindsets and develop the proper vision for what we want to cast into the world. Remember Paul's guidance on changing mindsets in Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, and if there is any excellence, and if any is worthy of praise, think about such things. As for the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. As we make the effort to consider these things in our lives, the people, opportunities, and situations we describe this way, eventually we can be assured our habits of thought will change. Again, it's a continual process of thinking about those things and then putting your thoughts into practice, trusting that the God of peace goes with us. Your vision gives pain purpose. So what we need to figure out is how exactly to do this. Changing our thoughts and practices is what we have to get clear on because more than anything else, your vision gives pain purpose. When I was 16, I was introduced to this concept of knowing your why. I was taught to have big goals, so big that I would do whatever it took to accomplish it. I would endure the pain. When I decided to commit to working out, I was reintroduced to this. I had to I had to be willing to endure the pain to obtain the stronger, healthier body I desired. I felt I had a grasp on this, but only when I realized what Christ did for me did I fully come to understand the importance of vision. Because when I was selling supplements with Herbalife, I did okay and made some decent money, but it wasn't until I decided I wanted more that I first had to figure out how hard I was willing to work. I was starting to understand marketing, and while I never had any formal education in it, I realized people don't buy what they need, they buy what they want. As much as everybody needs good nutrition and exercise for good health, they don't want it. So I thought, how can I get them to want this? I came up with an ad and put it in the back pages of the Penny Savers, and literally all it said was, we pay you to lose weight with an 800 number that forwarded to the phone in my little rented office. Well, my phone started ringing off the hook, which made me think, okay, now I got to figure out how to present to these people. I ended up building out a program with three levels, good, better, and best. And I started to get feedback from people about what their objections were. I, I then incorporated it and things began to take off. That was one of my initial lessons in the principle that people will let you sell them anything if it's something they really want. But all of this started with a vision, and admittedly, not much else. I had much to learn yet, but I knew the basics, at, at least the first step. It would take me several years to finally stop and consider how the vision God originally ha had for the world applied to my vision for my business. It would take even longer to see how, through the cross, Jesus was teaching us endurance through struggle and pain. Eventually, I wondered, how did he endure it all? The Bible says, for the joy set before him, he could persist through the pain, face it head on, even though it was unbearable in the moment to say, to say the least. Jesus could do this because he focused on the redemption of the original vision God created. 
It blows my mind to think that through the pain, he was thinking of me and you, and that his love for us was the driving force to persevere. So whatever you're facing today, I want you to know that your father in heaven is looking at you with love in his eyes and compassion in his heart. He can empathize and connect with your pain because he felt it all on the cross. As you develop your vision, take heart in knowing that my vision has changed drastically over the years. As we mature and grow in faith, our vision comes more in alignment with his. Just take the next step to walk out, Matthew 6, 33, and know it's the small daily things that we do that continually bring us to greater clarity. Remember also Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 and 14. Not that I have already obtained all this or have al- already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Press on toward the goal with the vision to win the prize for which God has called you heavenward in Christ Jesus. Again, I want to be clear that I don't mean vision as merely sight, but as deeper insight. When God created light in the darkness, he didn't need to see anything. But we know from scripture that he created what originated first in his mind, and then he spoke it into being. And of course, since he is God, he knew full well that sin would ultimately threaten to destroy his creation and that he would have to send his son, Jesus, to redeem us. But his vision gave that pain he felt, even in the first moments, a higher purpose. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. John chapter 1 verse 5. The deeper vision we want starts in our minds, regardless of the experiences and situations we've faced. This is how we each get to create our reality. Consider how you've spent your life creating the one you presently have based largely on your beliefs. Life is determined by and even co-created by your perception, and it can change the moment you choose to change it. Like God instructed Habakkuk, We need to write the vision he gave and make it plain so we know how to live. Our core beliefs are the foundation every believer needs to overcome their limits and run their race. Change the channel. Think of a bad vision as a bad TV show. We've all watched a bad show where about halfway through you think, what the heck am I watching? You realize it's a terrible program, so what do you do? Do you smash the TV? Certainly not. You simply change the channel and choose something better, more your style. When we change our thoughts, we change our results. It's one of the few places in life we can see a simple cause and effect. As we begin to practice continually thinking about what Philippians 4.8 suggests, our perspective changes, our conscious thoughts become more subconscious, and our subconscious begins to affect every cell of our body and change us from the inside out. Science is just catching up with what the wisdom of the aged already suspected and understood. Have you been driving only to find yourself pulling into your driveway as you snap out of it and to think to yourself, how did I get here? Our subconscious controls most of what our bodies do on a regular basis. You don't have to consciously make an effort. 
If I had to think about every little part of the process just to move my arm, it would be impossible. God created us this way. Once we learn where all the keys are on the keyboard, eventually over the time, our subconscious is able to take over. The results people have experienced from hypnotism and behavior therapy prove that what we hold as true in our subconscious changes our reality. There is something very powerful and important about what we believe. Knowing this is the first step to changing our lives for the better, and this is why it's so important to choose our thoughts wisely. As it says in Romans 12:2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I think most of us can read that verse and not quite understand that Paul is essentially saying, yes, your mind can completely be transformed. Let God grow your vision. God has a plan, a purpose, a dream, and a vision for your life. So start making the rest of your life the best of your life. Helen Keller said, the most pathetic person in the world is someone who has sight but has no vision. Dare to dream big and get clear on your broader vision. If you're struggling to know what that is, ask God to give you a God-sized vision for your faith, marriage, kids, finances, character, and everything else you choose to have in your life. If you really want to jumpstart your adventure, start diving into the word regularly and watch God grow your vision. You can see how eventually this process of considering your proper vision applies to your business and how you're making money. But it doesn't stop there. Like anything we build in life, a solid business is the direct result of a solid life that's been well considered, shaped, intended. Once we get clear on the process and know how to discover a solid vision, we can move on to day two and explore what defines our atmosphere and culture. Hey guys, if you're digging this content and you'd like to be a part of our community of kingdom entrepreneurs, then text the word KING to 727-472-3860. We host virtual and in-person get-togethers with the focus of building community to advance the kingdom through wealth creation and financial stewardship. So if you're looking for this type of tribe and the resources to do so, then step into your true calling by texting the word KING to 727-472-3860. Chapter three, day two, defining your atmosphere. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening, and there was morning, the second day. Genesis chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Proverbs thirteen twenty. Main takeaway. Just as God established the atmosphere to create the context for life, we need to define our business culture to create the context for success. Everything in this book is powerful, but only if implemented. 
It's been said that knowledge is power, but I wholeheartedly disagree. Knowledge applied is power. That being said, this chapter's wisdom is straight up some of the best biblical insight I've found, and I hope and pray all my family and friends will come to deeply understand it. Just imagine how my 10-year-old daughter can use this and benefit inspires me like nothing else. I want to hand her the keys to this new way of thinking so she's prepared and knows how to live with abundance well invested. This is absolutely the plan I hope she'll have, far better than anything I had just starting out. So start here. God's word created the firmament. Some versions say vault or expanse in verse 6. This is the atmosphere and air space. Notice once again that God accomplished his work simply by speaking the word. When God speaks, life, order, goodness, and all good things emerge. Isaiah 55 verses 10 through 11 says, God's word will accomplish what he sent it forth to do. Deuteronomy says, man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. That's chapter 8 verse 3. The Psalms say God has magnified his word above his name, and Paul says it performs its work in those who believe. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. Man is born again through God's word, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, which is not merely the Bible or even the Old Testament statutes and decrees. God's word is Jesus and also his original creative power. God's word is the greatest power in the universe. We must learn to base our lives on it and it alone. On the second day of creation week, God continued his work of preparing the earth so plants could grow in it and animals and people could live on it. God called the expanse the heaven, which we call sky. God separated the water above the earth from the water on the earth, placing the sky between the two. The sky, which is our atmosphere, is like a blanket of gases which protects the earth. Because of the atmosphere, the sun does not burn us to death, and we do not freeze at night when the sun sets. Although we cannot see the atmosphere, it is constantly playing the part that God intended it to play. God didn't create land until the third day, so air and water were the original elements, for a while all on their own. While you think how water is made up of two basic elements, both of which are two of the most abundant things in our world, hydrogen and oxygen, you see there's more to this idea of an atmosphere than it seems at first glance. Hydrogen combines to form other very common compounds, from ammonia to methane to table sugar to hydrogen peroxide and hydrochloric acid, and oxygen is the most common element in the earth. Experts estimate that 90% of what we see in the universe is made up of hydrogen, and half of the earth's crust is made of oxygen, the land, the dirt, and rocks part, not just the water. Hydrogen and oxygen are involved in most matter that exists. Every object in the universe, and we can neither create it nor destroy it, only change their forms in limited ways. Think of how clouds form from water vapor in the air and how wind carries this evaporated water to different areas. Or think of how ice forms when temperatures drop and it becomes a solid that creates surfaces and land-like structures in the form of icebergs and great ice shelves. New things are created when these elements undergo chemical changes and form new bonds with other elements. Like us, these elements are products of their environment. So if we want to change what we do and even who we are, we need to consider our environments and our bonds. 
So now that we have that context for our purposes, what does a biblical atmosphere look like? What is atmosphere? This is another lesson it took me a long time to learn, but in your business, you determine the atmosphere and culture. You set the tone for the way you conduct your business, and this is the feeling of the place you spend much of your time each day. Ask a simple question. Does your atmosphere match your vision? Do the people you surround yourself with support the vision you've created? As a leader, you need to be a resource to them and be resourceful in your dealings. Remember that ad I ran offering to pay people to lose weight? I ran it as a six-week program because I knew that they would have to buy at least two months of my product to do the regimens, and though I'd pay them per pound and per inch they lost, they would usually just use the credit toward more product. While I found myself at the age of 19 retailing over $10,000 a month in vitamins and nutritional supplements, which was great, I was working my tail off up to 16 to 18 hours a day meeting one-on-one and also trying to run a fitness training business, so I had zero lifestyle. Also, I knew what I was doing was not duplicatable. It couldn't be replicated to invite others to go through this process. There was still that itch to find something more sustainable and shareable. Plus, as great as it was to be making money, I didn't have anyone to share it with because I didn't have any infrastructure. What kind of atmosphere you have in your business will determine much of what you produce and who you choose to work with has much bearing on this. You can work as hard as you want with those around you, but if they're not the right people helping you get into the right situations, you will find yourself getting further and further away from your vision. Although you can't see the atmosphere, it is very important. In our physical world, the atmosphere is the air we breathe and the space we inhabit. All life needs it. Our air is made up of nitrogen, oxygen, and a tiny amount of other gases such as carbon dioxide. These are in just the right amounts for our survival. If there was a little more of any one element, a spark could set the world on fire and we would suffocate. Carbon dioxide is deadly to humans in large quantities. We need to strive for a near-perfect balance to survive and thrive. Similarly, your business, your marriage, your family all need a proper balance of vital elements. What's the atmosphere like in your marriage, your family, your business? God spoke everything into existence, and nothing that exists can be created or destroyed, only reshaped or remade. What is a healthy environment or culture? I have a podcast episode about influencing our environments for good where I asked, are you the thermostat or are you the thermometer? Are you the one who lets life happen to you, becoming a reflection of what's going on around you and and in your environment? Or are you the kind of person who's able to adjust the temperature around you, someone who doesn't immediately conform to the environment you're in just to fit in or get by? Are you an effector or someone who's affected by everything around you? A thermometer only shows what's going on in the atmosphere around us, but a thermostat regulates and changes the atmosphere, exerting control over what you decide it should be. When I look back at my life and career, it's crystal clear to me that any time I leveled up, it was because I put myself in a new circle. I was so intentional about who I was surrounding myself with. Most people take this for granted, but hear me when I say this. Opportunity is built on your accessibility and not your ability. Your accessibility is what matters. So what do I mean by that? You have greatness inside you. 
I know that because greatness himself created you. And the Bible says that we are made in his image. Therefore, we have greatness inside of us. That being said, that seed of greatness needs to take root. The determinant of that seed ever taking root is dependent on what it's surrounded with. Are you surrounding yourself with people that are going to allow that greatness to thrive? Are you putting yourself in the right environments? It's been said a baby shark or a goldfish will stay small in a small tank, but can grow much larger in the ocean. It actually has more to do with the quality of the water and its space to thrive, but there can be a massive difference in the health of the shark or the fish depending on the environment, and that's just how powerful your atmosphere is affecting you. The point is, a shark or fish, or any animal, will never be healthier than its environment. And the same is true about you. If you want to grow and thrive as a contributing member of your community, your growth and progress depend upon your environment. If you look around at your closest group of friends, your closest circle of people, and you're not inspired, you're not in a circle. You are in a cage and it's time to level up. You don't necessarily have to shun those people, but you do need to find another group to glean from. Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Very simply, we're not meant to conform to our environments. We're meant to transform them. If you want your work to have kingdom impact for generations, you have to establish a culture of health and vitality that's based in these biblical principles of grace, love, and excellence. You have to get granular and specific about who you're with and what they're bringing. That means at every point you need to seek God's wisdom about who to invest in and who to separate from. There will be some difficult conversations that focus on better aligning on these kingdom values. Always with grace and always with the most patient love, but with a dogged dedication to keeping God and his values first. Creating kingdom culture. Everyone needs a Paul, a Barnabas, and a Timothy in life. This familiar saying carries a pretty simple meaning, but when applied, it can be transformative. Basically, everyone needs a mentor, an associate, and an apprentice. Someone to build into our lives, someone to labor alongside us, and someone to help and pass along God's timeless wisdom and knowledge to. We likely need more than one person in each of these categories, and often, We won't know who's leading and who's learning from whom. However, this principle is sound. Timothy chapter 2 verse 2 says, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Paul invested a significant amount of time and energy into Timothy, and now Timothy was instructed to do the same with other men. The Bible is full of gospel partnerships. In Acts, we see how Paul teamed up with Barnabas, and then later with Silas and others. As gifted as Paul was, he was never a one-man show. He worked side by side with hundreds of people like Barnabas. Do you have a Paul, a Barnabas, and a Timothy in your life? If you don't, you're not alone. Don't get discouraged. Start praying about it and begin considering who comes to mind as you reflect on those categories in your life. Then follow up and ask who God lays on your heart expecting there to be some friction, even some resistance. You're looking for someone who recognized the value of this, the serious time investment involved in the limits of our busy 
modern day lives. You should also be prepared to let your assumptions about these categories be tested. I've learned much from the people I thought were merely associates or mentees, and mentors have become partners, and I've even been able to encourage and advise at times. But be hopeful in this ongoing search, and don't be afraid to share and seek out what you need and hope for from others. If you're willing to listen and grow, you'll find that type of relationship you've had in mind was exactly what they were looking for too. And from your alignments will birth your assignments. If you don't know what's next or what to do, align yourself with like-minded people, people of similar mindset, and your assignment will be birthed. If you're on assignment right now, that's great. It's time to align yourself with people of the same mindset. Recently, I heard this illustration from Bill Gosling about healthy work culture. He said there are four main things we can take from geese and specifically how they fly in a V formation. First, by flying behind other geese to reduce wind resistance, the flock can fly 70% further than flying solo. They might go faster solo, but they go farther together. They also rotate the lead roll to allow time for each to rest. They honk at each other to communicate fatigue and encourage the lead, demonstrating that accountability and encouragement go hand in hand. Geese also bond and help each other when one gets injured or sick, staying together until the weaker one can rejoin the rest. So who are you flying with? Who are you doing life with? Remember, opportunity is built not on your ability, but your accessibility. Are you making yourself accessible? God knew the importance of this, so he provided many models to show us, but the atmosphere we put ourselves in as well as the atmosphere we are creating in our home lives and business is the best indicator of our future success. Hey guys, if you're digging our content and want more, then join our community at joinkingscouncil.com or simply text the word KING to 727-472-3860.